welcome to the Be Glad movement. My name's Pollyanna and I'm on a mission to bring you as many stories as possible of good coming out of bad and reasons to be glad. It was really hard to know which stories to use to launch the Be Glad podcast with as there were so many and all of them are so valuable, each in their own beautiful and unique way. Without a doubt, I truly believe your story and your voice has the power to help someone in their time of need. But I did have to choose, so in the spirit of storytelling and in a homage to the original challenge that I set myself of collecting 100 stories within the course of a year, I've chosen to share this, the very first recorded interview that I ever did with the ever so kind and generous Ross Nichols. I met Ross when my husband and I were posted to the Salisbury area and I was looking to connect with other coaches. Having only met on a handful of occasions before, I was delighted when I reached out to Ross and asked him to be the first person I interviewed, and he accepted so graciously. Cringe with me and hear the nerves in my voice as I attempt to introduce Ross in a professional manner as I could muster. We filmed using my mobile phone, which kept cutting out. It was so, so frustrating and embarrassing. And if you've actually seen the video version over on YouTube, I'm blinking excessively, and Ross even said afterwards that he didn't feel like I knew what I was going to do with my face. <laughs> I laugh now, but this was a really important step in my journey to realising this project. So for any of you who have been putting off getting your own project off the ground for fear of failure, or for those of you who worry people might laugh, let them laugh. The people who laugh do not matter. Successful people don't have time to kick others when they're down. They're too busy. And actually, more often than not, they're more likely to help you. Fail forward, fail fast and fail hard. It will make you stronger and you will learn so much more on the way. After all, you don't get the confidence then do the thing. You start doing the thing and then the confidence comes afterwards. So without further ado, here is my first interview with Ross Nichols, the founder of Salisbury Coaching Circle and Transition Transformers. Hear how he left the army after suffering from a debilitating illness while serving in Kosovo and how, when he handed in his uniform, he also felt like he was handing in his identity. Hear how he faced the ultimate choice of whether to sink or swim. Welcome to the Be Glad movement. My name's Pollyanna and I'm on a mission to bring you as many stories as possible of good coming out of bad and reasons to be glad. And today I'm joined by Ross Nichols, who has very kindly offered to share his story with us. Um, but before we get stuck in, I just wanted to tell you, um, set the scene if you like, and tell you what Ross said to me when, when we first met. So in back in November 2008, very tired and weary uh, Royal Engineers Army officer left the camp at Uphaven for the last time. He'd handed in his uniform, his helmet, his respirator, that's a gas mask to you and me, and even his uh, identity card. And he began the drive back to Salisbury. Um, nine years earlier he'd suffered a terrible illness while out in Kosovo and unfortunately the six months prior to his leaving, he was on constant medication just to keep going. So that sets the scene over to Ross. Hi Ross, thank you so much for coming along. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I'm sure there are going to be people out there that have found themselves in a similar situation to you when, when they've left um, full-time employment, especially the kind of employment that the Army gives somebody. Mm. So um, do you want to start by telling us what it was like when you first left the Army? Yeah. Um... 
very difficult time. Mm. I was so used to the structure and the, the routine and the rhythms of getting up, going to work, you know, uniform on, salute, do your job, come home. Mm -hmm. And when that, that was all taken away, or by choice, I, I, I chose to leave. Yeah. I couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and there was just nothing. Right. And so it was, it was a period, it was like I was in a void. Sure. It was a period of great uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you found it quite hard, didn't you? It was a very dark period for you. Yeah, and after a couple of months there came a day when I originally had nothing to do, and not much energy to do it with. Mm -hmm. I was pretty ill. Yeah. And I was kicking around the house, literally with nothing to do, and I went into the, into the bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, and I actually said out loud, who are you? Right. And all I got in response was these two dull, lifeless eyes looking back at me. Mm -hmm. I call it the familiar stranger. Right. And I don't think I've ever felt so lost and alone my whole life. I, I just thought, I haven't got a clue who I am. No, no. I've handed all my kit in, I've handed my identity in. Yes. That was my whole life. You know, I only ever wanted to be a soldier, now I don't want to be one anymore. Right. I can't be one anymore. And what's left? Who am I? Mm. That was a really, really dislocating feeling. Yeah. And that went on for a number of years for you, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, mm. I, I call that, that was when I realised I was in the black hole. Yes. That went on for about three years. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And tell us about the turning point when you suddenly realised. Yeah. Um, after about a year or two in the black, just over a year in the black hole, um, just trying to man up and push through and get a grip and just get on with things and buck mm. up and you know find some energy and stop slacking and all the usual um, bravado and machismo of just get on with it. Um, I realised that nothing was working. I tried the medical drugs; they weren't working. Uh -huh. uh, I tried giving myself a, a good talking to, that wasn't working, and I, and I was beaten. Sure. I had I had failed. I knew I did not know what to do. I could not. I could not do this. Right. I didn't know what to do. I tried everything I knew, and it wasn't working. And I couldn't stand the voices in my head. I couldn't stand the self-talk. Uh -huh. I wasn't prepared to live with it any longer. So I said, okay, I'm not prepared to live with it any longer. Are you going to sink or are you going to swim? And I'm quite pleased to say the answer was swim. Yes. I had a wife and young children at the time, I thought, oh, I need to I need to swim. Uh -huh. Okay, that was quite a relief. So I'm going to swim, what am I going to do? Because everything I've tried ain't working, so I need to do something different. Mm -hmm. And the answer I got was, I've no idea what to do, but I sure as hell know what I don't want to do, right. which is to go on that inner journey. So, okay, that's what I need to do. Uh -huh. I need to go on the inner journey. And within... Uh, a couple of weeks, I, I stumbled over the self-help books in the library. Right. One thing led to another. I was going on meditations, retreats, and, and here we are, yeah. a number of years later. That first um, re retreat where you meditated and you got to know yourself a bit better, that was quite a turning point for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was my first experience, and it, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, I said to um, somebody afterwards, they, they asked me how it was going, I said, it's utterly astonishing. Um, I feel like I'm on a journey to my innermost self. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether I'm at the beginning, the middle or the end, but it's utterly amazing. I spent half a century suppressing thoughts and feelings, and here I was embracing them. Mm -hmm. And you know, for good, or good, bad and ugly, this was me. Yeah. And, I, and I just had to learn to accept it. Sure. It's a journey of self-acceptance, really. Uh, Self-awareness initially, uh -huh. and gradually self-acceptance. That took, that took a lot of work. 
-hmm. I was willing to work towards that, but it took a lot of courage to accept myself as I am. Yeah. You know, all, all of those negative thoughts and feelings. And then someone made a suggestion to you, didn't they? Mm. You'd got, found yourself into this position where you felt a lot more open to experience life. And then someone made a suggestion. Yeah. Tell me about that. I was working... The first counsellor I worked with was a, a Heal Your Life counsellor. That was mm. the title of the book that I'd stumbled across. Uh, it was very much exploratory uh, self-awareness work. Mm. And after a few sessions, um, she just said, have you ever heard of Dorset Business Mentors? I said, no. I'm in Wiltshire, you know, next county over. She says, well, I, they, they have volunteer business mentors. I think you'd be good at it. Why don't you give it a try? Mm -hmm. uh, and long story short, I, I did, and I loved it. And I quickly got up to nine different organisations and schemes that I was mentoring for. When the penny dropped, I thought, oh, I, I should do this. Mm -hmm. So I started a company and registered in 2011, oh, business mentoring services. Excellent, mm -hmm. excellent. So the business mentoring really took off for you, and you yep. found that you were a people person, and you enjoyed yep. helping other people. Um, tell me a little bit more about how you got into coaching. Yeah, well, it's one of those happy accidents. Um, I had a client referred to me who, it turned out, didn't want mentoring at all. He wanted career coaching. And I said, look, I've got no training in this, but I'm prepared to fly by the seat of my pants if you want to give it a go. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that as well. I was just being completely intuitive, which I've subsequently learned is a, my coaching style and it's a good, good approach to be, mm -hmm. to have as a coach. And at the third session, uh, a different guy turned up and he Turned, he presented you know, in a pinstripe suit, very rigid, all buttoned up. Mm. And the third session, you know, jacket off, tie off, hair all over the place, waving his arms, expressing himself. And I thought, wow, did mm. I do that? Mm. Is that what coaching could do? I want, I want some of this. So yeah. I decided to train as a coach as well. Yeah. Do you think that maybe the fact that you had spent so long in a uniform and this guy that you'd started mentoring and coaching was um, in a uniform when you first met him, do you think you were able to see past his pinstripe suit to the, there was another person underneath? It's a really good question. I never thought of it like that. Mm. But yes, the, in a way, there was the, the carapace, the exterior, the professional, yeah. the way you present yourself, your professional face. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for the human being underneath. So I guess there was a parallel there to my own experience. But I wasn't aware of that until you mentioned it. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> you make a great coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so now you're doing a job that you love, you know, you're coaching people, you're bringing out the best and you're helping them uncover, I hope so. <laughs> from all accounts, um, you're helping them uncover um, their true selves. And would you say that that was probably, you know, you had to go on your own inner journey to be able to sort of recognise other people's need to go through that journey as well? I think it's essential. I don't think anybody. Goes to, comes to coaching straight from education. You don't go to university and say, my career choice is to be a, a life coach or a, a therapeutic coach. Or you know, a, um, Most people who come to coaching have some sort of crisis or wake-up call, whatever that may be, and from their own experience of realising that inner change is, is where it's at for them, that's how they, how they get to live a more fulfilling life. That, and then they become, they have a calling to, to help other people have that experience. So, that was very much uh, how, how I came into it. And I thought, yeah, I, I, I've always enjoyed working with people. But to, to realise I had a gift, a talent, mm. for eliciting the deeper stuff from people, the dark stuff. Sure. Then that, that was a revelation. And, mm. and I, I talk about working with the client's shadow, coaching the client's shadow. Because my own stuff to me was so dark and deep uh, and almost unbearable to, to, to face yeah. that experience is what enables me 
to work with my clients, dark and deep stuff, with the client's shadow. And that, that's, I'm, I'm surprisingly comfortable with my client's discomfort, if I can put it like that. Sure. And not, a, not, not all coaches are. No, no. And I guess you wouldn't be if you hadn't gone through that inner journey yourself. Yeah, so. I think it's essential. If, if you're going to be in any sort of therapeutic coaching or counselling or psychotherapy, mm. I, I think you have to be comfortable. You have to have done the work on yourself yeah. to know just how daunting that can be. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us, Ross. So what would your message be to the people that are viewing right now? Okay, I'd say that... Um, no matter how difficult a challenge you're facing, if, if it is, uh, it might be the biggest crisis you've ever faced, mm. but know that there is a way forward. There is always light in the darkness. You've just got to find it. Mm. And that there is great learning. I, I believe that um, our shadow side is where the learning is, and that's where the power is. And if we can simply find that, mm. we will be so much stronger for it. And then we will come back as more resourceful, more powerful, more able to serve other people for having had that experience. So no matter what tough times you're going through, if you can see that in the long run there will be a positive in there, mm. then you can embrace it more fully, mm. and knowing that there will be some good come out of this. Yeah, I like that. Our shadow side is where our power is. It's very interesting. It may not seem it at the time, Sure. <laughs> yeah. but there's great learning in the shadow. Fantastic. Ross, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's a great pleasure. If you'd like to watch more videos like this, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel or look us up on Twitter and Instagram. If you look for the at Be Glad movement, you'll find us. So many thanks for watching and I look forward to catching up with you another time. Thanks, Ross. Bye-bye. So there you have it. Being part of the military community, I'm no stranger to this theme of feeling lost when leaving the safety and structure of the daily routine. In fact, I felt like that when I first got married into the military and left my full-time job to become a trailing spouse, or as we're more commonly known, a dependent. Such a joyous description. If you like this episode, then please do like and share it with everyone you think may, who may benefit from hearing it. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, then head over to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook or YouTube and I'll look forward to catching up with you there. Just search at Be Glad Movement and you should be able to find us. And of course, I'm looking for more stories, so if you know anyone willing to share, please do put us in touch. The Be Glad Movement podcast is free to listen to, but if you did want to support me in raising money for the Samaritans, feel free to head over to beglad.co.uk and use the link provided to donate. Your contribution will be so gratefully received and appreciated. And while you're there, why not sign up for my newsletter? Don't worry, you won't be bombarded because I'm not that disciplined to write them very often, but I will let you know about any events I'm organising or attending to keep you in the loop. With so much love, you've been listening to Pollyanna, Ross Nichols and the Be Glad Movement.